reaching Israel and the world. Welcome to today's amazing program. I am Cynthia, Rabbi Schneider's wife, and I'm so thankful you've chosen to join us. I pray God touches you through Rabbi's words. God bless you and shalom, beloved one. My name is Rabbi Schneider. Welcome today to this very important episode of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. We are looking today at messianic prophecy and the book of Isaiah. This is now the third part in this series. I really want to encourage you to go back and get the first two episodes if you weren't able to hear them because it's so important for us to understand how our faith in Jesus is rooted in the Old Testament that we call in Judaism the Tanakh, consisting of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the prophets, the Nevi'im, and the writings, the Proverbs and things like this, the Ketuvim, for which where we get the word Tanakh, taking those three syllables, the T for the Torah, the N sound from Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ch or the K sound from the writings of the Proverbs, etc., Ketuvim. And so we are looking at the writings in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and we're showing how Jesus, how the Messiah was revealed in those writings. One of the most foundational prophetic books in the Old Testament is the book of Isaiah. In fact, Matthew, the Gospel writer Matthew, he uses the Old Testament more than any other Gospel writer to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew's primary audience was the Jewish people. And Matthew quotes the Old Testament more than any of the other Gospel writers, once again, to prove to his Jewish audience Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. He is the Messiah. And the prophet that Matthew quotes most is Isaiah. So with that said, once again, I want to encourage you to get the previous two episodes that lay our foundation with what I just said said. We're going to go directly now to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to begin to examine some of these messianic prophecies. The primary prophecy that we're heading for is Isaiah chapter 53. But before we get to Isaiah 53, I want to show you how fully Isaiah reveals the Messiah. This is why Matthew quotes him so much. Let's begin today as a starting point with the book of Isaiah, chapter number 7, verse 14. Isaiah says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. Of course, many of you associate this scripture with Christmas time, but this is a messianic prophecy about the Messiah. In fact, Christmas really is the celebration of messianic prophecy being fulfilled, that God did what he said he was going to do. He caused a virgin to conceive. Now, I just should maybe educate some of us that aren't aware of this, that of course, traditional Judaism rejects that Jesus is the Messiah. Myself, of course, I'm Jewish. I believe Jesus is the Messiah, but I am a huge minority, very few Jewish people believe that Jesus is the Messiah, although there are many and it's growing. But as a whole, those of us Jewish people that believe in Jesus the Messiah, we are ostracized by the larger Jewish community. They do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. 
And so when I or another uh, 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 Christian person would quote to a Jewish person this verse from Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What a traditional Jewish person would say is that the Hebrew word there for virgin, remember it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. A traditional Jewish person that, that knows the Bible, and many Jewish people do not know the Bible, but someone that does know the Bible would say, well, the Hebrew word there for virgin, which is Alma, does not necessarily mean a virgin. It can mean a young maiden. But the truth is, is that the Hebrew word Alma that is translated in here in this verse of Scripture as virgin, it can mean a virgin. It is translated as virgin in other, in other portions of Scripture. And Isaiah 7.14 wouldn't make sense unless it was a virgin rather than a young maiden. In other words, if the verse was translated this way, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, a young maiden will be with a child and bear a son. A young maiden bearing a son isn't really a sign. It doesn't make you pay attention. Signs get your attention. So if just a regular young maiden bore a son, that's not something that's going to get your attention. But if a virgin bears a son, that's going to get your attention. That's why Isaiah says it's a sign. Now I want you to think about this. Remember we said that messianic prophecy, in addition to predicting the future, is also about Jesus fulfilling Israel's history by reliving its history, by repeating the same patterns. And I pointed out in the previous broadcast that Jewish history begins with Abraham and that Jewish lineage is traced from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. I want you to think about the birth of Isaac. Remember, God made a promise to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham is waiting his whole adult life for this seed to be born. He knew that the seed was going to be a, a child that would come from his own body. But nothing's happening, and his wife Sarai, Sarah, can't conceive. And Abraham gets so desperate, we all know the story, he ended up having relationships with his maid, Hagar. Hagar gets pregnant. But God says to Abraham, he said, Abraham, it's not through Hagar that the child's going to be born. The seed's not coming through Hagar, Abraham. It's going to come through Sarai, through Sarah, your own wife. And so now Abraham and Sarah are about 100 years old. Now, 100 years old, somebody having a child at 100 years old, let's face it, you know, a person is past their ability at 100 years old to have a child. So God appears to Sarah at 100 years old and says to Abraham and Sarah, at this time next year, you're going to have a child. Sarah laughed because it was impossible. She said, can a woman that's 100 years old, that's way past the age of childbearing, have a child? And yet sure enough, the same time next year, she bore Isaac. So I want you to think about it. God's supernatural destiny promised to Abraham was fulfilled through his seed that began with Isaac and continued down the lineage. And this seed of Isaac, his birth came into the world, get it now, church, very supernaturally. His mother, Sarah, conceived, get it now, at 100 years old when she was well past the age of childbearing. 
how much more supernatural should the birth of Jesus be, the most unique being that has ever come in to the planet? So God takes this concept of a supernatural birth process one step further, rather than having someone bear a child that's 100 years old, he brings it up to the highest level by having a virgin bear a child. And so Jesus comes into the world in the most unique way possible because Yeshua is the most unique being that's ever been born into the planet. And so we see once again that Jesus' birth is prophesied in the book of Isaiah, in fact, Matthew quotes it in the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, verse 23. Hear the word of God. Matthew says this. He says, Behold, the virgin will be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. So from the very beginning of Jesus coming to the world, we see revelation coming to us thousands of years ago in this prophetic book that we call Isaiah. Shalom uvracha, peace and blessings. Beloved, in today's Hebrew moment, I want to share with you one of my favorite Hebrew phrases. It's pronounced like this, Be'ezrat Hashem. Be'ezrat Hashem. It means with God's help. Do you remember the story of Moses when the Lord called him to deliver his people out of Egypt? And Moses said to the Lord, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Moses knew that if he was going to go and be successful, he needed to know that God was with him. He needed God's help. And I don't know about you, but every day I feel like that. I feel like if I don't have the Lord going with me, I'm surely going to fail and fall on my face. And so I love the phrase, Be'ezrat Hashem, with God's help. Let's say it together. I'll let you repeat it after me. Be Ezrat Hashem. So one more time, we'll say it together. Be Ezrat Hashem, with God's help. Well, beloved, together, you and I, each and every day, 24-7, are relying on the help of Hashem. And with God's help, we're going to be fruitful and prosperous and have impact in the earth for His glory. Be Ezrat Hashem. Friends, the greatest fulfillment we could ever have is for God to use us in leading someone to Jesus. What a joy it was for us to receive this testimony. I was a witch for all my life. I became one because of abuse from my father and mother. I got tired of it and ran away from home at the age of 14. I started using drugs and alcohol and I paid for it by being a male prostitute. I did this for 32 years. I gave my life to Jesus Christ just three days ago, and you were the reason I did. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for this man, and I ask that if there is anyone watching right now that needs your son, that you would open their hearts to receive him as their hope and salvation. Reveal yourself in spirit and in truth. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. 
We've been called to be salt and light to the world, but Rabbi cannot share the truths from God's Word without help from you. Would you pray and consider donating or becoming a monthly partner with Rabbi as he ministers principles from God's Word through television, the internet, and on-the-ground outreaches, equipping the body of Christ, building the church, and evangelizing the world? Call 800-777-7835 or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Join those who have said yes to the calling. Help Rabbi build God's kingdom through the global outreaches of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Call today or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Let's continue on in this work. As we come to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 9, verse 1 and 2, hear the word of God. But there will no longer be gloom, no more gloom, for who was in anguish in earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious, get it now, by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness, will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. This is a messianic prophecy. Remember once again, I spoke in an earlier broadcast, that Jesus, after he'd been crucified, when his disciples were completely downcast because they thought that Jesus, you know, his plan had failed because the Romans had crucified him. So the disciples are walking totally downcast on the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes up to them, opens their mind to understand the scriptures, and he shows the disciples all the things that were written about him in the Hebrew Bible. He opened their minds to perceive what couldn't be perceived naturally. Knowing what I just said then, I want you to understand what I'm referring to here in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a messianic book, and Isaiah is talking about something supernaturally happening along the Sea of Galilee in the region of Galilee. It doesn't say much. It's there. It's hidden if you don't have revelation to see it. Now look what happens as I go to the book of Matthew once again and see how Matthew brings up this scripture from Isaiah that I just quoted to you and he quotes it identically. Now I know this is very intense on the teaching, just stay with it because God is laying nuggets in your heart. You might feel lost in all the details, but I'm telling you, you're going to take something heavy and weighty away from you when you see how God, the God of Israel, gave us his plan all the way back in the prophetic writings of the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. Here we go, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 17. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea. Remember the last scripture that I just read to you from the book of Isaiah pointed out this thing happening by the sea, that the people that live by the sea, and then he's going to quote the same cities here in the land of uh, Zebulun and, and Naphtali. He said they saw a great light. So once again, Matthew continues quoting Isaiah's prophecy. He came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. And what does Matthew do? He quotes the portion from Isaiah that I just read to you. And what is happening here is that Isaiah prophesied that Messiah's primary ministry would be around the Sea of Galilee in the Galilee area, which it was. And so Matthew quotes from Isaiah, and he says, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea, 
beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. And then we read, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Many times when we think about Israel, we really, you know, are so romantic about Jerusalem. And we should be because Jerusalem is the city of the great king. It's so beautiful. I mean, Jerusalem is just so awesomely gorgeous. And of course, it's a, the land of prophetic destiny, past, present, and future. But I want you to understand this. Most of Jesus' ministry did not take place in Jerusalem. His ministry took place in the Galilee area. I love the fact that in Isaiah, we not only have prophesied the birth of Jesus, but we just saw, we saw that his primary ministry would take place in Galilee. And what's interesting is that in the Gospels themselves, we have the record of Jesus' birth. We have a record of him going to the temple for Passover with his parents. But then other than that, the next thing that happens is we go to his ministry that begins with him being baptized in the Jordan and ministering in the Galilee area. So the stage or the um, platform through which Isaiah launches his prophecy correlates exactly with what the timeline is in terms of recording for us the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Listen to this section once again of scripture from Isaiah, once again bringing the light of the Messiah to the Hebrew people long before Jesus was ever born. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, will accomplish this. Isaiah 9, once again, verse number 6 and 7. Here we see a messianic prophecy of the Messiah coming to earth to establish truth and government and his reign in the world. Listen, the only person that could do this is God himself. That's why the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 7 that a child will be born to us and his name will be Emmanuel. God is with us. Listen to me, church. I want you to understand this. We as believers in Jesus understand that the Messiah is God in the flesh, right? Emmanuel, God is with us. It's God in the flesh. Remember, John told us in the Gospel of John chapter 1 these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Get it now. And the Word, listen, was God. So John tells us in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John continues, and he says, and the Word became flesh. So who became flesh? The Word who was God became flesh. So we that know Jesus know that Jesus is God clothed in humanity. We understand that the Messiah is God in the flesh. But in traditional Judaism, they don't traditionally believe that the Messiah is God in the flesh. They just believe that the Messiah is someone that will have a very charismatic, charismatic personality that will be anointed to be able to lead Jewish people back to Torah observance. But they reject the notion that the Messiah is God in the flesh. 
but the Hebrew Bible itself tells us that when Messiah comes, he will be God in the flesh. He'll be called once again, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. God in the flesh. No one could be called Wonderful Counselor, Eternal Father, Mighty God, except God himself. Jesus has fulfilled these ancient prophecies. Not just a man that is anointed that brings people back to observe Torah again. No, the Messiah is God in the flesh. Let's go to one more scripture today. I'm reading now from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses number 1 through 10. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God abides forever. Hear the word of God. Then a shoot will spring from the land of Jesse, and a branch from the roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked." Also righteousness will be a belt around his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious, Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. Of course, this is a messianic age in which Messiah will reign over the earth, and this brings us, beloved, to fruition, and we read about that in the book of Revelation. The book of Isaiah is extraordinary in how it brings forth for us Messiah's coming, his birth, his ministry, and what happens when he executes his glory over the earth. I want you to stay with me next week as we dig deeper into the book of Isaiah and this concept of messianic prophecy. I'm going to be showing you four messianic songs in the book of Isaiah. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I love you. This is Rabbi Schneider saying, God bless you to you and shalom. Isn't it true about all of us? We love to hear about what we like. In other words, we love hearing about the things that we already like, but the things that we don't like, we don't want to hear about it. Well, the reason I'm bringing that up is that sometimes God's people don't like hearing about finances because they don't want to surrender their finances to the Lord. But beloved ones, it's really important because when we surrender our finances, what we're really doing is surrendering our heart and affections. That's why Jesus said, man can't love both God and money. We've got to put him first. Some people say that giving financially, tithing, was just something that was in the Old Testament. But in the seventh chapter of the book of Hebrews, we see Abraham come to Melchizedek, the high priest, who is a type of Christ. And when Abraham met Melchizedek, what did Abraham do? He offered up to God through Melchizedek 
a tenth of all he had. I just want to encourage you today. Let's surrender our whole lives to the Lord, which involves every area, even our finances. Beloved ones, if you're not tithing somewhere, would you tie to the Lord through discovering the Jewish Jesus? I want to tell you, you'll be blessed and many souls will be saved. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Give by credit card at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have been faithful to the Lord with our finances while living. For those of you who like to remember the Lord in your finances when you go to heaven, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, Speak these words over my people, and I will place my name upon them and bless them. Yahweh Yahweh Vihunecha Yisa Yahweh Penavelecha Veasem Lecha May Father God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord your Father lift you up by his countenance. And Father God is going to continue, his beloved child, to give you his peace. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony.
Jesus was born a Jew, lived as a Jew, died as a Jew, and was originally followed by Jews. Yet somehow Christianity and Judaism are divided. Unearth the history behind this great separation in Rabbi Kurt Schneider's new book, The Lion of Judah. Rabbi tells the story of how two religions who worship the same God came to walk very different paths. But he declares a bold truth. They were never meant to be separate. Learn how Judaism and Christianity will one day unite together under one banner, Messiah Yeshua. Discover how the Old and New Testaments connect and how Jesus completes Biblical Judaism. Order your copy at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, Rabbi explores the four servant songs in the book of Isaiah and how they relate to the life of Jesus. Don't miss this exciting episode.